May 14th. And as we turn to the New Testament for our reading today, we'll be looking into the book of John, chapter 8, verses 1 through 20, where it talks about condemnation. The woman was guilty, but where was the man in the story? Both of them deserved to die. It was a trap, and Jesus knew it, when they brought the woman caught in adultery to him. But he ended up trapping the trappers. Did he write on the ground to remind them that he had written the law, or to refer them to Jeremiah. Uh, here's our wonderful assurance. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. As we will see in the story we're about to read, the religious leaders did not know where they were going or where he was going, because they were completely in the dark spiritually. They had the light of the law and of conscience, but they did not have the light of life. Consequently, they did not know the Father or understand what Jesus taught them. And then we'll learn about liberation. The people were in bondage to Rome and to the law of Moses, yet they said they were free. Jesus may have been referring to Isaac and Ishmael since the Jews had mentioned Abraham. See, the Son makes you free, so trust Him and follow Him. His truth makes you free, so study it, believe it, and obey it. Satan imposes slavery that seems like freedom. Jesus gives you a yoke and sets you free. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. May 14th, John chapter 8, verses 1 through 20. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and Pharisees brought a woman they had caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. "'Teacher,' they said to Jesus, "'this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say?' They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, stone her, but let those who have never sinned throw the first stones. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to her, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Jesus said to the people, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't be stumbling through the darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. The Pharisees replied, You are making false claims about yourself. Jesus told them, These claims are valid, even though I make them about myself. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you don't know this about me. You judge me with all your human limitations. But I am not judging anyone. And if I did, my judgment would be correct in every respect, because I am not alone. I have with me the Father who sent me. 
Your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. I am one witness, and my father who sent me is the other. Where is your father? they asked. Jesus answered, Since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. If you knew me, then you would know my father too. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury. But he was not arrested because his time had not yet come. My spiritual father told me a story that I love. I never will forget. You may have heard me tell it before, but you endure it, hear it again. He was teaching about righteousness and he was teaching about holiness and he was teaching about perfection. And he said, if we were swimming in a boat and we went 50 miles from shore, and you and I jumped off the boat and decided to swim back. And I could swim 40 miles and you could swim 10. Soon as we jumped in the water, we'd start out together. We were both swimming real good. 10 miles out down uh, from the boat, you would give out because you can only swim 10 miles. He said, but I'd still be stroking. I said, why do I have to be the 10 and you get to be the 40? And he said, because it's my story. And if it's my story, I'm going to always come out on top. And, and he said, I can swim 40 and you can't swim but 10. He said, for 30 miles, I could talk about you. For 30 miles, I could say you did it because you're weak. If you'd have been, if you'd have trained better, if you'd have worked out better, if you'd have went to more classes, you would have done better. He said, but after 30 miles past your 10, I would reach my max and I would collapse too. He said, the funny thing is, even though I could swim 40 and you could only swim 10, the shore was 50 miles away. We both fell short. Think about that. He said, I'm no less dead at 40 miles than you were at 10 because we both fell short. So the Bible says all have sinned and come short. It don't matter how short, little bit short, whole lot short, all have come short of the glory of God. What I'm trying to kill is C.A., Christian arrogance. This Christian arrogant elitism that makes you look down at other people's issues and weaknesses and say, at least I'm not like so-and-so. How dare you with your 40-mile swimming self look over your shoulder and laugh at me while I drown 10 miles from the boat. While you laughing, I want to warn you that you still got so far to go that you cannot get there. And whether you are... 10 miles away from shore like the best swimmer was or whether you are 430 miles away like the weaker swimmer was you're both dead if somebody don't jump in and save you and meet you wherever you are and turn things around for you and come today we're reading from Psalm 110 verses 1 through 7 now this psalm is quoted in the New Testament more than any other psalm. It was quoted by Jesus in the book of Matthew, and Peter in the book of Acts, and the writer of Hebrews quoted it or alluded to it many times. 
Jesus focused on the real issues when he asked, If Messiah is David's son, how can Messiah be David's Lord? Well, there's only one answer. Messiah must come as a man through the family of David. Messiah is both eternal God and man, divine and human, and he is seated in the place of glory and authority. Then there's a picture of uh, the king. This is a picture of victory over Messiah's enemies. The final victory has not yet been won, but he still rules in the midst of his enemies. Are you one of his volunteers in the battle against sin? Now as king, Jesus can deal with the circumstances around you. As priest, he can help with the feelings and weaknesses within you. A day of wrath is coming when the Lord Jesus will deal with his enemies once and for all. He will be victorious and his head lifted up in exaltation. Now if you know him as God's son and your high priest, obey him as your king and seek to win others before he comes as judge. Psalm 110, verses 1 through 7, a psalm of David. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. The Lord will extend your powerful dominion from Jerusalem. You will rule over your enemies. In that day of battle, your people will serve you willingly, arrayed in holy garments. Your vigor will be renewed each day like the morning dew. The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The Lord stands at your right hand to protect you. He will strike down many kings in the day of his anger. He will punish the nations and fill them with their dread. He will shatter heads over the whole earth, but he himself will be refreshed from brooks along the way. He will be victorious. Proverbs 15, verses 8 through 10. The Lord hates the sacrifice of the wicked, but he delights in the prayers of the upright. The Lord despises the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue godliness. Whoever abandons the right path will be severely punished. Whoever hates correction will die.